Great is his faithfulness, amen? Each and every day and every moment to us, he is faithful. What a privilege to be here with you today. I have the privilege of sitting in on Dennis's and Tim's ordination council on Monday, and my buttons were bursting. Linda and I, my wife and I, often think of this as our second church. When I'm not pastoring at Lansing Avenue Baptist Church, I am, when I have an opportunity, I sometimes am able to get here. And so it is a joy to be here. I will try to keep this brief because also we want time for Dennis's brother to come and share some of the things that I am going to challenge Tim and Dennis with, I know in my heart that they've already been doing this. But we need reminders, and we need also those things that repeatedly come from the scriptures to challenge us, but also to encourage us. When a man is called to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is a high holy calling. It is a sacred charge that is entrusted to you from God, Dennis and Tim. Each of us are to live before Christ as true servants for him. But as I give this charge, we call it, but also I would say a challenge to the candidates, it is important that each of us, even though we are dressing Tim and Dennis right this moment, but each of us are reminded of what God desires of servants of Jesus Christ. One of the things I'll start off, Dennis and Tim, is that I'll challenge you to keep your motives clear in ministry. That you keep your motives clear in ministry. This is not a position about you or fame. That's not at all what it's about. There's no room for pride. God is to receive the glory. Your motives are always to please the captain of your salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he's called you and give you, has given you the gifts for his ministry, you are to be faithful to that calling that one day you might hear these precious words, Well done, thou good and faithful service. I have had the privilege of being in full-time ministry for 35 years. We are all full-time when we come to know Christ as Savior. And I have often felt through these years that there will be nothing more precious to hear if God sees so fit in my life to say one day, David Russell Oberst, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I also challenge you to be faithful as men of prayer. Be faithful as men of prayer, walking in very close communion with Jesus Christ again, the captain of your salvation and the one who calls you to ministry. James 5.16 says, 
the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Rely daily, Dennis and Tim, on his word. Rely daily in getting that time where you gather before the Lord in prayer. That intimacy of talking with Jesus through prayer. Without him, you can do nothing. You will fail most miserably, lest your communication and your heart is Godward. Don't seek to work in your own strength. I have learned that many times. Seek God's strength through prayer. Seek his guidance and his direction. I would charge you to be faithful to the Holy Scriptures. Be faithful to the Holy Scriptures. Be disciplined in the study of God's Word. I'm speaking from experience. This one I will ask that all of us remember. This is not giving us as pastors a path, but I'm sharing firsthand my heart. I said, I charge you to be faithful to the scriptures. Be disciplined in your study. In ministry, you are pulled in various, various directions. I have still not attained after 35 years. You try to balance those directions and those that need you and things that have to be done. But the first and foremost has to be your faithful study in God's Word. Now I'm going to ask you, will you say amen? Because you as a people will have to be willing to give them equally that time that they can be faithful in the Word of God to come out and share with you what God has laid on their heart. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, rightly dividing the truth. And Dennis and Tim, always be sure that it's the truth and the gospel of God that you preach. Galatians 1 and verse 11 and 12 says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which I preach of me is not after man. For I neither received it a man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ, as Paul speaks. Hold fast, Tim and Dennis. Hold fast to the inspiration and the inerrancy of the scriptures. There has been a great falling away in our land concerning the inspiration and the inerrancy of the scriptures. Hold fast to them. Don't let the depravity of the modern theology have a foothold in your life or ministry. Stay based, anchored on the holy word of God.
I charge you and challenge you to be servants in the building the church of the building up of the church of Jesus Christ. You have an awesome responsibility in building up the body of Christ. Help bring them to spiritual maturity. Help lead them and guide them and disciple them through the word of God. Not through vain philosophy, not by the philosophy of men, but by the holy word of God. Let your proclamation, Dennis and Tim, go forth both in word and deed. Both in word and deed. Let there be no contradiction between what the people hear, listen closely, and what they see in your lives. I've only got a couple more, and I want to give your brother time, Dennis. I want to say I challenge you to be unashamedly bold, yet very tactful in faithfully proclaiming that gospel of Jesus Christ. Boldness, as we know it in the Bible, is not arrogance. It's not at all meaning that. It's confidence. When you say, or someone says, I can go boldly before the throne of grace, that is literally saying, I can go in confidence to the throne of grace. Be unashamedly bold yet tactful in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let the love of Christ constrain you and the terror of the Lord burden your hearts for the lost. Because God is not willing that any should perish. Again, let that proclamation go forth both in deed and in word. Dennis and Tim, I would challenge and charge you to watch over your own home well. Watch over your own home well. Don't let your home become shambles. What do you mean, Pastor? If your own home becomes shambles, how can you take care of the household of God? Train your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 4. Tim and Dennis, be faithful to the wife, wife, but here I'm looking at two wives of your youth. Be faithful to the wives of your youth. It can be very difficult in ministry, again, balancing that time. My wife sits here of 35 years under a pastor, with a pastor co-laboring with Tim. To this day, if she could tell you, I would say that I frequently say, Honey, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you have went through 
in raising those three children, putting up with me, and I don't want to say this unkindly, but understanding ministry. The times I jump and run and go at the beckon of a call, at the beckon of a voice. And so, with that, ministry requires that. But we have to balance things out. To Dennis's wife, to Tim's wife, thank you for your love, your support, and all that you go through too. Could I just say this not to get much longer? So many times it seems that it's all about what Pastor did or what Dennis did or what Tim did or what Larry did or what Pastor Dave did. You don't hear a lot about whom. The wives. You ever heard the saying, behind any blessed man there's a good... Women, don't be timid. Say it out loud. <laughs> behind every good man there is a... Amen. And we thank God for you too. The last thing. I would challenge you to be good shepherds of God's glory and God's honor. Be good shepherds of God's glory and God's honor. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says it. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be good shepherds of God's glory and God's honor. I said I would try to be brief, but I gave you what has been on my heart. And I count it again. I thank you so much, Larry, and to the church family for this high calling and privilege. Being almost 28 years in my church, at, it's not my church, it's God's church, at Lansing Avenue Baptist Church in Jackson, Michigan, you can tell that at Tim's age, he came up a lot of the years there. And one of the things my church family said, Pastor, we're going to miss you today. And our youth pastor, his name is Tim also, is doing a good job today. But they said, Tim, because of the years you were there, oh, Pastor, give Tim hugs for us. Let him know that we're praying for him. Dennis, I had him praying right along for you too. And they're praying for this service today also. Father, we thank you for the privilege of a high calling in serving Jesus Christ. Each man and woman and boy and girl and teen that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior has equally a high calling as ambassadors for Jesus Christ to represent, to represent him. May that representation be well on our parts, both in word and deed. And all God's people said,
privilege to be here this morning. And church, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll look at two verses in our time together, a few minutes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's right after the book of Colossians in the New Testament. Tim and Dennis being ordained. Pastor Tim, Pastor Dennis being ordained. Um, you can relax because now it's time to speak to you, the church. And it's my privilege to do so. I am so glad that God's word is abundantly clear on how we should order and direct our relationships in this life. Amen? He didn't leave us to wander or wander around aimlessly, not trying to figure out stuff on our own. He's just given us some clear direction. And the case is true with uh, the congregation to the church leadership. And so if, if I were to entitle our time together this morning, it would fall under the heading of how to treat church leadership from 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 12 and 13. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. And I'm, I'm glad that God gives some clarity to how that relationship should be ordered and what it should look like, all for the name, the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I find as I read and study scripture that God's really not into giving us too many suggestions. He's just pretty clear. And I need clarity in my life. And churches need clarity. You and the congregation need clarity. What should it be? How should my practice be in relationship? How should I treat those that God has given as leaders to our lives? So with, with me, please read uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Apostle Paul simply says this. We ask you, brothers... To respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their works. Be at peace among yourselves. Let me pull this apart just a little bit. The first thing I see here is to respect those who labor among you. And both Tim and Dennis have been laboring for years here already. You know their work. And that word can be translated to know or to acknowledge this respect. It's to know, to acknowledge, to recognize them. And so church, I would say the first thing in following uh, with under the authority of the scripture over our lives for faith and practice, we say that those that have given their lives to be in the fishbowl of this thing we call ministry, respect them, know them, acknowledge them. And that's what this process is today. The fishbowl so that where they go around town is to honor Christ. How they raise their kids is to honor Christ. And they don't just have an in-law watching them. They have the church family watching them. Those that have given their life to the work of ministry to work every weekend. Especially holidays like Christmas and Easter. There's no break. Those that have given their lives to the work of ministry to leading volunteers where the only leverage they have to encourage one another and call people up to greater service is that they love the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no demotion. There's no three times and you're out thing. There's no pulling away. There's no firing because of a job not well done. There is the encouragement. Love the Lord Jesus Christ. He deserves your very best. Come on, let's go together. Those that have given their lives to that church are worthy of our respect. 
And most of all, those who have submitted their lives to the authority of God's word and have committed to live it out in the order of their lives. Not just in the context of their homes, but before the church family. To lead in that are worthy of respect and acknowledgement. Recognize them. Respect is the way that we treat them. And we respectfully acknowledge that while we, those not in ministry and church, I'm speaking to you today, that, that you know how to be accountable and be good stewards of aligning your own life under the authority, this banner of protection, the word of God, so we place it over us and say what we see in God's word we will do. Uh, we, we understand what that looks like for our own lives. We understand maybe for some that what it looks like to do that in our family life. But very few, if anyone, sitting here other than the men on the front row and maybe a few others that understand what it means to not just lead your own life and your family life, but also the life of the church in following the Lord Jesus Christ. May I suggest to you that that's a tremendous weight that very few truly understand until you're in it. And it's their privilege to do so, to carry that weight. The Bible says that when we desire the gift of leadership in the church, that there's a special accounting for people that sign up for that, that we will give an account. So it's the stewardship, not just of our own life. We'll give account for that before God Almighty. Not just of our children's lives and our homes. We'll give an account of that. He's given us to steward them as well and raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But also, they as pastors will give an account for each one of you sitting in the pews and how they led you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And there's a weight that goes with that. Respect them. Well, that's just one. It says, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Church leaders are an authority. They serve the Lord, and they say, serve you by leading. And they're to be on the front lines of what it means to follow the Lord. So that often they will have to come to, to people in the congregation and said, because we love you, this is what the Word of God says. And because we love you... My, this is what worshiping the Lord looks like. Bring your very best to him. He is worthy. Do this. And that's what it says. It says, those respect those that labor among you and are over you in the Lord. They're over you and admonish you. Now, Hebrews 13, 17 says, sheds a little light on this as well. Because the, the author of Hebrews simply writes this. Obey your leaders, church. You ever wish that wasn't in scripture? <laughs> Obey your leaders, church, and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And let them, and, and let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage for you. And so this obedience and this submission that is... Biblically accurate for us as a church to follow under the leadership of those that God has placed in the church. That is for our benefit. And so church, I would simply say this today that um, we're called to obey and submit 
to the pastors of the church. Let me put some handles on this because I see the looks and the raised eyebrows. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Can't that be cultural? Maybe that was true back then, but not today. And I would say that um, authority and submission is all throughout Scripture and at every level. It's for us with the government. It's for us in marriage relationships. It's for children's with, children with their parents. It's for the church congregation with the pastors as well. It's that throughout every level. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Now the question arises, when should I do this? Again, I'm glad that scripture is very clear. And Paul makes this assertion. He says, listen, in Acts 20, 30, actually, there's speaking, uh, Luke is writing to the church and he's saying, hey, they're giving an account, a narrative of what took place on the journeys there. And, and he said, uh, not when they don't teach the word of God, don't obey them. And you, you can read that text. It's in Acts 20. It says where, where some leaders that will come up among the church and seek the leader, leadership position will twist scripture into something that's different than the gospel. Then you're off the hook. You don't have to obey and submit. Galatians 1 and verse 8 makes it clear. Paul says not to obey anyone who preaches a different gospel. Not even if they're an angel. You don't have to obey them. I'm glad the authority for our lives is found in this book. But listen, our problem with leadership in the church usually is not doctrinal. Our problem with leadership in the church is usually not because the, there's a different gospel being preached. See, it says in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, Obey them, or it says, uh, Labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And the reality is that not a one of us in here really enjoys the process of being admonished. Fair? Who likes to be admonished? Makes me feel like I'm three years old again, being scolded by my mom or dad. And so, admonished literally means to have a corrective influence in your life. And church, that's what a, a pastor's job is to increasingly have corrective influence into your life to guide you in a way so that if they see you going down a road that is at the end of that road there's a dead end and no hope and no peace and no joy only sadness and sin and frustration they're to come along and say hey listen don't go down that road it's a dead end turn and follow Christ his way is better there's infinite amount of joy and peace and hope at the end of that road follow him and that butts right up against our wills what do they know? Why should I submit to them? Why should I obey them? Can I put that in practical terms for us? So when a church leader or a pastor says um, that worshiping God, like this hour should be, if not the best, one of the best hours of your week believe that. Biblically, I believe that. Like the sole end of man is worshiping the Lord. And a pastor comes along and says, so really you you weren't worshiping? You're taking eight weeks off because your eight-year-old is playing soccer on Sunday mornings and you're sacrificing the worship of the Lord for your son's soccer? That doesn't equate with, to me with 
what we know to be true about Jesus Christ who deserves our very best. And how do, we, how do you balance that out? And may I suggest to you there's a better way. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ and seek him first and then all these things. And we don't like hearing that because it butts up against what we want our eight-year-old son to be the next professional soccer player. Fair? And they encourage you to do what's right before the Lord. And sometimes it rubs us the wrong way, this admonishment or, hey, hey, hey. You who aren't married, listen. Do you know that uh, uh, the intimate relationship sexually with another person is God's marriage gift to you? Don't open it early. It's biblical. It's not a popular topic in today's culture. Because how do I know if I really love someone unless I live together with them first? That's the mindset. And it's backward from what the Bible says. The pastors lead out in that charge. And they plead, listen, God's way is best. You'll build a trust in your spouse if you do things God's way that will be such a strong foundation for later in marriage. You don't even have an idea of the strength that it will bring. Follow the Lord, trust the Lord. And pastors lead out in that and they're worthy of our respect and they're worthy of us obeying them and submitting to them. Or how about this? Hey, church member, the Bible says to give generously. To give generously to the Lord's work in the church. And I want to see your life be abundantly blessed. Proverbs eleven twenty four. It's almost backward in our thinking. It says there's one that gives freely, one who scatters a lot freely, yet grows all the richer. And there's another withholds what he should give and clutches it and, and, and only suffers want. And it's almost backward from a way of our thinking, but it's a trusting in God. And so the pastor gets up and says, listen, not because we need the money, but for your benefit, we're asking you to be generous givers to the Lord's work. And watch God provide for you. And, and you scatter abundantly and watch you, he give, him give you abundant increase. It's not an easy thing to hear. It's not an easy thing to say. But it's true based upon the word of God. Pastors lead out in that. Whether youth pastors, worship pastors, a preaching, teaching pastor, the Bible says obey and submit as they lead and admonish you in Christ. Now verse 13, quickly, verse 13 of, of 1 Thessalonians 5 amplifies verse 12 because it says, and to esteem them very very highly in love because of their work. Well, their work was that they're leading you and admonishing you. And we're to esteem them very highly in love because of their admonishment of us. It's a tough thing. Love it when they say the hard things. And then simply just be at peace among yourselves. Not complaining, but following well. Not divisive, but highly esteeming your pastors. When a church does this, it's a picture, a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let me make this extremely, hopefully extremely practical for us. I grew up, and I am guessing that many of you did, being... Here in a Baptist church this morning, we believe in the autonomy of the local church. 
self-governing self -governing of, of the local body. And somehow, in our culture today, that has transitioned to self-governing autonomy of individual believers. And that's not the case biblically. We do believe in the, the priesthood of the individual believer, and yet believers in the New Testament are submitted to the authority given to the pastors of the church. And American individualism has hijacked the true meaning of Scripture and makes biblical submission, even what I'm saying, seem weird, has a weird ring in our ears. Abuse of leadership presents another problem. Fair? Abuse of leadership that's hitting the news all the time is another problem. And I am... Uh, thankful that a step of this, even this morning, is understanding that biblically there's the plurality of leadership in the, in the local church, where we can go to literally every New Testament church and find more than one pastor, elder, bishop, called different things in scripture, we can find that in all the New Testament churches with the exception possibly of one. It's a team. It's a servant leader team pulling forward for the sake of Jesus Christ, drawing other people following behind, all for the glory of the one that we serve. So even with these hesitancies, the autonomy, the, the priesthood of believers, the, the abuse of leadership, we're, we're not allowed to use any of these, these things to negate the biblical command to follow, submit, and obey church leadership. And can I be very practical with you this morning? The rub is, the rub is not so much a doctrinal issue. The rub is not that we don't know what scripture will do. The rub is that you and I are inherently selfish. Have you owned that yet? I hope that's not a newsflash to you. If you've been married for a while, your spouse knows that about you. Can I just give some personal, and I'll pick on me. I'm not above this either. So you pray for me and pray for my wife. Because here's, here's what it looks like. It, here's what it looks like. I go get fast food for my daughter. And the selfish ugliness of my own heart comes out. Because here's what I'll do. I'm, I'm a French fry connoisseur. And, and I love French fries. And here's what I'll do with my beautiful daughter that I say I would die for. I, I measure the bags of french fries to see which has more and I give her the one with less. And it's the ugliness of my heart. Oh, it doesn't stop just with my daughter. I do that. We'll be watching television and we'll be, hey, man, I love ice cream too. And so my wife says, hey, well, how about a bowl of ice cream? I'll get it for you, honey. No problem. I run upstairs, get the bowl of ice cream, and down the stairs I'm weighing which bowl has more ice cream so that I can consume the larger of the two bowls. Just ugly and selfish and arrogant. It happens when parking a car, because my wife and I park cars totally different in, in the parking lot. Going to Sam's, I'm like, first space available in, 
she doesn't do that. And, and so there's a little bit of tension because she'll feel the need to tell me how to park or I'll feel the need to tell her how to park a car. We've both been driving for 30 years. We, 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 obviously, we still don't know how to park a car. In fact, I'm not gonna, it didn't happen this morning. We drove down from Traverse City this morning. It didn't happen this morning, but uh, about a year and a half ago, we made it all the way from Traverse City, up 10 minutes south to the village of Kingsley. And um, uh, she quietly pulls over into a little side store there, unhooks her seatbelt and says, would you like to drive? Because I was telling her how to drive. Well, push here, pass that car, turn right here. Don't you know the direct? It's terrible. And it's the ugliness of, of my heart. Or how about this? Last illustration, see if this doesn't resonate with you. You need to correct people on how they pronounce words. Really? Out of the 50,000 words that your spouse knows, you feel the need to correct the 10 that they mispronounce? And listen, it's the same selfish, arrogant pride that will keep you from obeying and submitting to the church pastors. It's the same thing. We want it our way. And we realize that we need Jesus Christ to do what he says to do in his work. And we make a beeline for the gospel. For Jesus Christ to be in me what I can never be for myself. And when we do, we picture the submission of Jesus Christ in his great act on the cross. In submitting to the will of the Father. Not that he's less than the Father. Not that one is greater than the other but an authority and a submission that's modeled in the Trinity that this church has a privilege of modeling from congregation to pastors, not better or worse than the other, but because it pictures the one that we say we love and serve, Jesus Christ himself. Leading in the church, gentlemen, follows running often and frequently on your face, falling down and saying, Jesus, I need you to lead church following requires you to frequently and often run to the Lord Jesus Christ, fall on your face and say, Jesus, I can't obey and submit apart from you. I need you now. Be a church that's obedient to the Lord and his word and watch God bless your life. And watch the Lord bless this church. Father, I thank you for the gospel. I Thank you that given, you've given us yourself to be what we can never be, that you empower us to live the life that you call us to live. And even when it's hard and pushes us in ways that we're not comfortable being pushed sometimes. And Lord, I thank you that you've given us pastors. A blessing for our joy and for our, our benefit. And Father, I, I understand that the gospel crushes our pride. May we humbly walk before you. And may we humbly walk with each other, stir afresh in our hearts a new faith for you and a desire for obedience. And Lord, when admonished, help us to count it as joy. 
and esteem those doing the admonishing. Lord, you will build your church. May it be here at Heritage. And as you are lifted up, would you draw all men unto yourself, all asked in the wonderful, powerful, majestic name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.